As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Guess what's happening right now, guys? I'll tell you what's happening. The Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast is playing in your presence. You have either stumbled upon it or you have intentionally tuned in, a.k.a. zone in onto the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast wavelength, a.k.a. my wavelength, because I am Michael Oldroyd. I am, I am Eichel, Lee Oldroyd. And I'm very happy to present you with another week or another episode, I should say, of um, my perspective on the world, uh, the world of comedy, and giving you guys a little bit of insight into my life. Uh, Why should you listen and tune in if this is your first time? I don't know, you know? (laughs) What I can say is... um, the people that follow me and support me, the ones that know me the best are like the most loyal fans and friends of all time. I think I have sometimes a high activation barrier. I think sometimes people don't really get me or my sense of humor right off the bat. Perhaps it's the way I tweet or um, do my social media. Um, you know, my girlfriend's always commenting on how my posts are heinous. And I'm not going to get any new followers because nobody's going to get it. It doesn't make sense. But guys, I do me. And I think that once you do get me and you tune in, uh, it's worth it's worth it's a big payoff. Uh, I hope so, at least. That's my goal is to, to be able to give anybody who invests in me a big payoff, um, whether it's financial investment or just an investment of your time and your energy and your support. Um, I will say... Uh, and love, really, but I don't think love is an investment because love is is not about expecting anything in return. Uh, what I can say is I love you back, though, regardless. And uh, even though my social media doesn't necessarily attract new followers, feel free to follow me if you haven't followed me yet at the Droid T H E D R O Y D on pretty much every form of social media, including Twitch, guys. Uh, I am glad to be back here in the studio, a.k.a. my closet, um, tonight. Uh, it's Sunday. Uh, actually, now it's Monday early in the morning. It's about 1 a.m. right now, January 21st, uh, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, just a few hours ago, the second uh, NFL playoff game ended. Uh, we had a day of, of, of amazing football, a.k.a. fantastic teams playing Feeling sorry for the Saints. Uh, I think that Drew Brees and the Saints uh, really were the better team today, and I think that um, the ball bounced in the direction of the Rams. They got lucky. Uh, there was definitely a um, penalty that was supposed to be called that never got called. I think some refs should have their heads cut off for it. No, we don't live in a, a barbaric world anymore where the queen can say off with your head. Uh, but, um, 
and I wouldn't want, I wouldn't support that regardless of our world. Just in case we got any Twitter people out there that want to tear me down now or in the future, I want to clarify that that is a joke. I am not into beheadings um, of anybody, let alone NFL referees. However, uh, there there should be some type of consequence for not calling that pass interference at the end of the game there on the Rams. Defensive pass interference. If you guys didn't watch the game, bear with me through this football bit. Uh, it was clearly pass interference. I've had that happen to me in practice. That's actually the time Sean Witherspoon tackled me before the ball even touched my hands. And uh, Coach Steck, David Steck, uh, made a big deal out of it. Uh, it made you know yeah, he Sean apologized to me after that. Um, and you guys should tune into episode 56 of the Michael Oldroyd Comedy Podcast where my friend and old teammate Sean Witherspoon joins. We talk about a ton of stuff. He was a very successful football player in the NFL, played for the Falcons, um, the Cardinals, uh, just uh, all around probably one of the best athletes I've ever known. So uh, definitely check out episode 56 in honor of Sean. But uh, that play reminded me of, of, you know, a time that, you know, Sean Witherspoon hit me in practice once. Anyway, we had a, a great time last week. Caleb, Med- Caleb Medley, my man, was in the studio. He was here in New York. Uh, it's always good to see him. Number 48, uh, we had a great time. He came out to see me after we recorded. The next night he came uh, to check out one of my shows at LOL in Times Square. Uh, it was great to see him. I gave him a nice shout out. Uh, very well deserved. It was very. He had a really nice hotel room. Him and his girlfriend at the Marriott Marquis in Times Square. Beautiful, beautiful view of. Uh, you could actually see the Statue of Liberty from his hotel room all the way in Times Square. There was a little sliver in between two buildings. You could see Times Square where the ball was. The ball dropped. It was like way high up. I think it was the 32nd floor. We made a joke about it because it was one higher than 31. Caleb's like, you know, I take the elevator up to 31 and then from there I take the stairs to honor number 31, a.k.a. yours truly, a.k.a. the droid. But uh, we definitely had a good time in town. And we talked about investing for a second. Caleb made a bet on me. We forgot to talk about it in the podcast, but 10 years ago, Caleb, when money was actually even more scarce for us, you know, it was 2009, I think he was still in school at the time, and he bet one of our teammates, his name was Tony Burr. Oh, I think we might have talked about, I don't think we talked about the amount uh, on the podcast, but Caleb bet Tony that I would be famous in 10 years, and the bet expired on January 1st, 2019. So I, uh, Caleb bet a thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for an adult, but even more for a college kid that didn't even have a job. That's how confident Caleb was, uh, in me. And I know he still believes in me. Um, and he's a great friend, um, teammate and brother for life. But I think that that's pretty cool that the man bet on me, you know, it means a lot. And like I told him before, I want to, I want to make that money back and, put it in his pocket as a token of my appreciation uh with interest you know so i uh that's the type of guy i am i want to i want to make it worth people's while that's supporting me uh speaking of that uh feel free to contribute to my patreon account guys <laughs> i haven't fully set it up yet i think you can find me at the droid if you are interested in supporting my journey patreon um you know 
sustaining this journey of, of, of my comedy career. It's a supplemental income, if you will, for those that want to uh, support it. Feel free to buy me uh, some gifts on Amazon if you want to. I'm like a porn star. I don't know if you've ever seen those porn stars that have their um, their Amazon wish list online, but you know sometimes people buy them stuff off their wish list. So if anybody out there wants to buy me some stuff, uh, check out Michael Oldroyd's Amazon wish list. I believe it is live, or donate to the Patreon. Uh, you know whatever you want to call it, or bet on me that I'll be famous. I have some big goals for 2019. Um, I'd like to have a major TV credit happen this year, as I talked about, and I think uh, a podcast, uh, a couple podcasts ago. So I'm working on that. Been doing a lot of outreach to to agents uh, this last week, um, trying to uh, find a better manager and agent um, that can take my career to the next level. In the meantime, I'm I'm doing a lot of my own stuff, as you guys know. We've got the Midwest Sketch Bandits. We'll talk more about that later, but that's basically a sketch, film sketch comedy uh, group that we've got that we've founded. Really, uh, me, Benjamin Mead, and Dom Leonelli. Uh, you know, we we put together these sketches. You may have seen videos already of of ours. So I'll talk a little bit later about that. Nevertheless, though, uh, if you guys did watch the games today, I hope you had I hope you had your fill of football, the greatest game in the universe, in my opinion. Um, football is life, son. I, I used to have uh, a sticker of that in my bedroom. Uh, I had all kinds of cool stuff growing up. I have, I have so many cool, uh, and I'm not bragging right now. Like, I th the only reason I bring it up is I think you guys would probably like it. Like, I got so many like audit. My dad was, my dad supported my love for football, and he would take me to the 49ers training camp, and I have like every autograph or multiple autographs from from different players you know I got giant personalized autograph from Jerry Rice on a poster to Michael Jerry Rice number 80 I, I, the story is that uh, we showed up to the rock it was in Rockland California where they would have their training camps at the time when I was a cast like eight years old at the time my dad was with me there and um, my dad brought this poster this poster board like this cardboard cutout and on one side he rubber cemented a, a poster of Jerry Rice catching a pass against the Chiefs ironically uh, and on the other side it was a poster of Steve Young and we waited outside the practice fences along with thousands of other people and my dad is such a creative guy I was embarrassed of it as a kid but the older I get the more genius I I, I think he is and the more respect I have for all of all of his creative ways of doing things. My dad got like a fishing pole and like tied some of the, I think it was a fishing pole and some fishing line and he dangled this poster on the other side of the fence. It was like a 10 foot fence and people were having to like, like it was like a chain link fence if my memory's uh, correct. So it's hard for like people to like put stuff through the fence for Jerry Rice to sign. He was signing stuff. My dad like dangles this poster over the thing. So of course it's right in front of Jerry Rice's face and uh, Jerry Rice grabs it, and I think my dad handed him a Sharpie. And my dad goes, please uh, say, to Michael, to Michael, right? What other dad would do that? I definitely wouldn't have asked for it myself. I would have been too starstruck, you know? And, uh, you know, Jerry Rice said to my dad, sorry, man, I don't have time to personalize it. 
And then he goes, ah, oh, what the heck, you know, or whatever he said. And, and he, he changed his mind and he personalized, pers personalized it. And for the rest of my life, I had that, you know. And it, for a kid that grows up wanting to play in the NFL, that type of thing, you know, makes you feel just one step closer, one step more connected to the game, one step more connected to Jerry Rice. Um, and we, you know, my dad, he, he did those types of things for me. You know, we stayed late. We met Steve Young that night. Uh, we had to stay really late. Uh, Steve Young, I guess, didn't like to come out until the very end, usually, because, you know, he, he didn't want to have to deal with as many people. So we were one of the few people that waited till the very, very, very end. I don't know what Steve was doing in the locker room. Maybe he was watching film. I don't know, but I met him. And uh, I, I actually met Steve Young a few times. I got his autograph a few different times, uh, which is kind of crazy. I saw him at a restaurant once in, like, the Sierras, maybe. I don't even remember. Uh, I think it was um, Lake Tahoe, or anyway. I saw him another another time at a parade in Utah, and I met him at the Rockland training camp. And uh, I remember when I met Steve Young, I asked him for his autograph on my football or on my hat or something like that, and he signed it. And I told him I met him before, or whatever. He was, you know, he asked back, "Oh, where? Where'd you meet me?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, can you sign my football too? Or what? I asked him for another signature, and he goes, I already gave you one. So <laughs> I was like eight years old. I was like surprised to be told no, I guess. I, I hadn't experienced that. Um, maybe I was a spoiled kid. I don't know. But either way, Steve Young only signed one thing for me in that moment, and he moved on to the other people. So that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, you know, football was uh, – was obviously th this is a special time of year, you know. Uh, the stakes get bigger and bigger. People watch the games more and more toward the end of the season. Right now, that the Super Bowl is th is the final game coming up in two weeks. That's when the whole world watches. Half half the world doesn't even know about the game or how to, how it's played, but it's such a big deal that everybody watches it. Millions and millions, if not hundreds of millions, of TV sets and and people get together to watch uh, Super Bowl Sabbath, as I like to say. It's kind of fun watching Troy Eggman today. Uh, he was one of the commentators on um, the, the first game, the Rams and the Saints. And it was funny to hear Joe Buck introduce him at one point. Or like when they came back from a break, he was like, for the kids out there, Troy Eggman won three Super Bowls, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was funny to hear him say it because I guess it was necessary because it's, you know, everybody that grew up and was – either grown up at that time or was just growing up at that time we're all going to remember Troy Eggman but I guess we're all getting older to where like we have to like preface like when we bring on Troy Eggman for the kids out there that weren't around uh, hey this is Troy Eggman let me just remind you this guy's a big deal in case you didn't know like back in the day he didn't need any introduction you know but I did meet, I, I got to meet Troy Aikman too, you know, one of Steve Young's biggest rivals, the two number, the two number eights in the NFC, NFC, bunch of NFC championship games that they played. Um, Troy Aikman was cool. He talked to me, he was at the Cotton Bowl whenever uh, Missouri was, uh, was down in Texas uh, back in 2007, 2008. January 1st of 2008 was when that game was. I met him at a Cavaliers Dallas Stars game actually when LeBron was in town. Tregman was pretty uh, pretty chill, you know. He was just there with his family, and he was waiting for them outside the bathroom, and I went up and talked to him. Everybody on the team, like, I was with a bunch of the guys on the team, like, nobody wanted to, like, go bother him or whatever, and I was the one dude that's like, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to Troy Eggman. So, like, 
every like as soon as I got done with my conversation, it gave like everyone, not just my teammates, but like everybody also around, gave them like the confidence to go up and talk to Troy Eggman. But after that, he was done, right? Like, I guess he rewarded me for my bravery, you know. <laughs> and then like once everyone realized, hey, I could do that too, then he disappeared. So I guess the lesson is be ballsy, right? Fortune favors the bold. I think that that was a quote from Alexander the Great um, in the movie Alexander with uh, Colin Farrell. I'm thinking about getting the Colin Farrell haircut from um, Fantastic Beasts. I know he plays the bad guy in that movie, which bad guys suck, okay? But I do think that he has a cool hairstyle, so I might bring that back. I will say this, though. The bad guy in every comedy is always is usually or more often not the funniest one in the movie so if i uh if i ever get cast as a bad guy uh, i'm open to playing the villain in a movie but i think i would be most excited to play the villain in a comedy if i had to ever play a villain um and when i say most excited i mean the most excited i would ever be about playing a villain i guess it would be cool to play a villain as a challenge in a movie but i'd rather um, I definitely wouldn't want to get cast type as the villain, right? I wouldn't want to become like the Joaquin Phoenix. Not that he only plays villains, but uh, he did a terrific job in Gladiator. And he did such a terrific job that everybody hated him in that movie because his character was hateable. But the acting he did was amazing. So, um, Who else did I meet? You know, the Cowboys are out, but I met Michael Irvin once in L.A. I think I told you guys about that. He actually... Wished me luck with my comedy career. I, I complimented him on his successful career with the Cowboys. It was after he was retired. He asked me what I do. I told him I played football for Mizzou. I was a walk-on there. We played in the Cotton Bowl, blah, blah, blah. My dream was to play in the NFL, but now I'm out in L.A. pursuing comedy. I told him about all that. And he, he wished me luck, and he told me God bless, you know. So I wished him a God bless, and then we went our separate ways. Um, but that was pretty cool. Speaking of God... Oh, you know what? One last thing I remember from Michael Irvin's um, induction speech into the Hall of Fame that I thought was really cool. One of the things that I liked about it was uh, I remember the last thing he said was no matter what, you know, there's a lot of peaks and valleys in life, I believe he said, blah, blah, blah. He said, no matter what, though, the first thing you need to, you need to do anytime you're feeling down or you're in a valley, you need to look up first right and then you need to get up and then you need to never give up so I thought that um, that was a really strong piece of advice and I think that that's worth sharing to everybody out there um, Michael Irvin is one of my favorite commentators I think he's so funny because he's so confident he's so convicted uh, which I feel uh, you know about certain things in life I do have strong convictions in certain ways I know who I am you know and uh, I think it's so funny to watch Michael Irvin. But, uh, yeah, anyway, if you guys are feeling down, remember this, motherfucker. Look up, get up, and don't ever give up. Don't ever give up, all right? When I say motherfucker, I love you, all right? I'm, I'm just getting excited. I'm getting passionate thinking about Michael Irvin's uh, passion as well, right? Because I've got passion for the game. We share the passion for the game. Though I'm a diehard 49er fan, uh, I do appreciate his kind words. And I do like, I like that speech. And I also find uh, one other thing that Michael Irvin said once that I, I found very entertaining. I was watching ESPN 
and he was uh, they they asked they asked some of the players to open up and talk about like their mindset in the game. And and Michael Irvin's quoted scripture, um, and he said, um, "He who thinketh, so is he," meaning think success, um, dream success, be success, right? Think touchdown, be touchdown, score touchdown, right? Like, if you think it in your mind, it manifests into who and what you are, right? He also he also talked about the art of war, Sun Tzu's art of war, which was the battle is won or lost before the game is actually played, meaning that in your mind, you win the battle in your mind beforehand, right? And I think um, I think there's a lot of truth, right? Um, for those of you that are out there that believe in that book, The Secret, I think that there is some uh, truth to it. I'm not a, I'm not one of these obsessed people. I, I don't I don't. My faith is not in in the secret. My faith is in in love, and, and to me that is the definition of God. Um, it is my love for football that carried me through and allowed me to to deal with. All the hits I withstood, you know, from guys like Sean Witherspoon and going against Goliaths, really. I felt like I was battling Goliaths out on the football field like David from the Bible, except I didn't have a, a, a rock, you know. My rock was the football, son, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, th uh, he who thinketh, so is he. So um, what you think you are in your mind is what you become. So be strong enough to construct who and what you are. Be brave enough, be bold enough to not set limits for yourself because the only limits that exist are the ones that you create in your mind, in my, in my opinion. Michael Jordan also talked about this um, in his Hall of Fame induction speech. Different, different sport, basketball, but I'll never forget it. Michael Jordan is actually my favorite athlete of all time, and he's my favorite comedian even though he doesn't do comedy, but he's my biggest inspiration. Um, and his Hall of Fame speech was, Remember, guys, fears, like limits, are often just illusions, meaning they're not real. Fears are not real. Limits are not real. You, you create them in your mind. Michael Jordan did not have limits in the game of basketball and maybe in life. I don't, I don't know him personally, but what I do know is remember these positive things. Um, take the limits out of your mindset. You know, let your heart guide the direction. Let it, let it, let let the true north, let true north be what your heart dictates, not what your rational mind dictates. Um, and then, you know, limitations are created uh, within our mind. Sometimes we believe what the rest of the world tells us. We, we, the rest of the world, we we allow society to dictate limits, and we believe them. And then we, and then we, we don't challenge those. We just accept them because that's just the way things are supposedly, right? But I, I challenge each and every one of you, if you do have a dream, if you do, and it, it, you may be later in life, maybe it's just a goal, right? But he who thinketh so is he, and fears like limits, li like limits are often just illusions. Um, meaning, I've already explained what that means. You can draw your own meaning from it as well, but um, no matter what you're afraid of, right? Maybe next time you have a nightmare or, or something, Think about the, the, the words of Michael Oldroyd quoting Michael Jordan that fears are often just illusions, meaning that next time you're afraid of something, 
you know, think to your, just call, take a deep breath and say this, this actually might not even be real. Whatever this thing is that I'm thinking or this thing that I'm afraid of or whatever's holding me back, this, this is potentially and probably not real, right? If it hasn't happened, you know, I, I'm, I'm stronger than allowing my mind to, you need to tell yourself that you're stronger than allowing your mind to, to create whatever fear is there, right? Don't dwell on fears. Don't dwell on limitations or things that you, um, dwell on positive, dwell on the positive, dwell on a mindset of building and constructing, not a destructive mindset, a construct. It's, it's like, um, uh, what do they call that? It's like a switch. There's there's two different directions. You go. You either your your mindset is construction, building, um, or or it's destructive or or negative or or lack of confidence. Build. Start small with your with building. Confidence is a muscle, and you have to build it. And um, you know your mind is more important than your body. Um, it's more important that your mind is strong rather than your body. But if you can have a strong body too, it helps your mind. Everything's tied together, obviously. And your spirituality, right? Mind, body, and spirit. If you can work on the strength um, from all three, right? If your spirit probably is, the strength there is more important than anything, in my opinion, than your mind and then your body, right? Our bodies are all going to get old. Um, our, our bodies are all going to eventually wear out, right? If we live long enough, some people don't make it that long, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed, we got to appreciate each day, um, but it, as you get older, you you will feel, I can feel it, right, me and Caleb, we're joking about it, we, we're we older now, we don't have the same football bodies that we did when we were 21, 22, 20, 23 years old, you know, we were Superman, Supermen back then, really, you know, um, I, I can feel, I, I try to stay strong physically, you know, continue to work out and whatnot, but you know, it's it's uh, my my physical capabilities are are not what they used to be. I'm not gonna create limits in my mind, right? But um, physically, side by side, there there is different density in my body, my bone structure, my muscle structure. At this point, um, our minds get older as well. Your spirit, though, your spirit is the number one thing that needs to be strong, and that's in my opinion, depending on what you believe. And you know, I'm not trying to preach, but I do believe the spirit lasts forever. So, you know, having a strong spirit is, is the foundation. It's the, it's the very core of who we are. Um, so focus on nourishing that spirit and making it stronger. Living a life of construction, uh, of building, right? How do you do those things? You do things and you put your time and focus into things that have meaning, right? A lot of the things that have meaning are, are things that don't just benefit ourselves, right? Uh, it sounds like I'm preaching here. This is not what I meant to come into the podcast and talk about, but right now I'm guess I guess I'm going off on a tangent. If you really want to be grounded, and you know some people may feel lost, right? If you feel lost, and maybe do do an exercise like this. You know, think about the things that you love. Things that's that's a good place to start, right? Think about the things that you love, or the things that you've always wanted to do. If you feel lost, well, maybe it's you want to paint something. I don't know, right? Then start small. Go. A get your hands on some some paint brushes and some some freaking paint and some canvas and start self-teaching yourself start watching some YouTube tutorials go maybe build up to taking a class 
start with one painting, start with two, right? And then you all of a sudden you start learning techniques, you start developing a style, you start realizing, hey, I can do this, right? And it's all it's it's founded in something that you you've always wanted to do or something that you're passionate about. It doesn't matter if it's painting or cooking or football or making people laugh, no matter what it is. I, I do feel like finding purpose in life comes from pursuing the things that you're passionate about, the things that you love, because that comes from a, a, from the center and core of who you are, which is your spirit, right? Football, for me, um, hit on a lot of those things, the core and the spirit of who I am, you know? I had a true love for that game. Uh, a lot of it came from, it started from my dad's influence. He loved the 49ers. He, his passion... When the excitement in his voice on Sundays when he would watch Joe Montana throwing passes to Jerry Rice and the way he would react to it was something that just, like, it, it, it rubbed off onto me. You know, I, I liked to see how happy it made my dad. I liked to see that enthusiasm and excitement, and that, that charged me. It, it captivated me. It, ca it captured my interest. And I've, I, I, I developed a, a, an affinity and an and attraction to the game of football probably – initially because of that push and you know my dad and I used to throw uh, the football in the cul-de-sac you know I was seven years old six years old and we were throwing routes slant passes deep routes you know I'd be running dad it's fourth down it's in the Super Bowl there's three seconds left in the game the 49ers are down by five you know my dad would you know say all right this is this is the last chance and we throw a long bomb you know I'd, catch it over my shoulder and feel good and imagine the crowd going crazy in my mind. So, you know, I, I, that's a little bit about my love. Um, you know, and I love to make people laugh. I love, I, I don't, uh, one of the things that I loved about football most, and I think I've talked about it before, it, it's the camaraderie with the guys. It's the brotherly love. It's, it's, it's the confidence that you build and the, the feeling of glory that you gain from having success after putting in hours and hours of sacrifice and dedication, all these things, and when you accomplish something as an individual and as a team, um, that glory is what we all want, right? And you can't achieve that glory without unbelievable sacrifice. The more, the more intense the sacrifice, the, the, the greater the glory, right? Um, same what goes with comedy, you know? It's... it's Comedy and football are my two true passions and, and loves um, as far as activities go, you know. And uh, I love bringing joy to people. I love making them laugh. I like drawing them in and, and telling them a story or, or get, and then giving them some sort of a payoff for, for following me on, on my, you know, on my verbal journey that I take them with. I'm taking you guys on a journey right now. If you're still listening, I, I do appreciate it. I know I'm I'm going off on a tangent, which you guys don't know because you don't know what my plan is for this podcast, but guys, we're freaking 31 minutes in exactly right now, and I'm telling you about my loves, right? And I talk about I talk about these things often, pretty much in every podcast in some way, shape, or form, but you're never going to hear the same thing twice from me. And, you know, I'm, I am speaking from truly the center uh, of my being, you know, I... I've always loved I've I've always loved to make people laugh. I've always like nobody ever taught me how to do it. I was always the class clown growing up. I remember as far back as third grade, you know, I would judge my days based on how many laughs I got in class. That's what would that's what grounded me, you know, that's what grounded me was was creating laughter. And then I realized 
holy crap, there's guys out there that do this for a living. Jim Carrey, I watched him in The Mask. I would watch that movie over and over back in the VHS days when you would have to rewind the movie afterwards. And I was like, wow, this guy's so cool. Like, this is, this is somebody's doing what I want to do. You know, somebody's doing this as an adult. Like, somebody's being funny and, and being making me laugh and entertaining me in this feeling that I have. That's what I want to give to others. Like, the feeling that Jim Carrey gave me in my childhood is what I want to be able to give. I want everyone who, like, the way I felt watching Jim Carrey, I want to give everybody who's never felt that before, I want to give them that feeling. And even if they have felt it before, give it to them again. I mean, um, the sky is the limit, you know? And I, I strive I strive to be the best of a comedian that I can be, and I strive to give you guys, over the course of time, true happiness and, you know, just inspiration and, and a feeling of joy, you know, like pure joy and, and like, relief and connectedness and, and, and almost... You know, all, all the positive feelings. Also, like, you know, realizing, you know, when I talk about my own, like, failures and, and things like that, like, it, it helps show we're all human. So whatever things that you may feel that you're uh, struggling with or, or maybe lack of confidence or embarrassed about, like, maybe you hear me make fun of myself in a way that... Um, you didn't know anybody else was also going through, right? Be I'm just saying it publicly out into the ether, on TV, into this podcast, on stage, wherever it is, you know, in, in a way where it's like, it's out there, yo. Like, you're not the only person who feels this way. I, I've, I've done the same, I've felt the same embarrassment. I, one of the things that I've been talking about on stage lately that's really connecting, and I'm really, I'm kind of honing this stuff. I'm really opening up, and I'm talking about how my biggest fear growing up was, was my fear of beautiful women. A lot of dudes are, are, are connecting with that. When I speak from that truth first, I talk about how I, 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 I had the longest time period of trying to overcome this fear. You know, I remember as, as far back as just being a kid, like the girls that I was had crushes on. and I was like, every dude has felt like a creep at some point. We've all been a creep. I've been a creep. I'm a good, I'm not, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm, I'm, I'm not like, uh, the best looking dude in the universe, but I'm a pretty good looking guy. So, you, so like maybe some dudes out there that are less confident because they may not feel like looks aren't on their side. They may look at me and think, oh, Mike has it, you know, easier than me because he's, uh, you know, he, he's a, he's a decent looking dude. Truth is, man, I was just as unconfident around women as no matter what I've, I remember seeing dudes that, that were not very attractive, do very well with, with women. It, you know, confidence around women does not come from, uh, physical. It doesn't come from the physical side. And we talked earlier about how, uh, limits like fears are often just illusions that those, that fear of women was in, it was an illusion. It was, based on fear of rejection and, and all these things. And what you realize is if you go out and you try to do anything and you try to be successful at anything, you will fail. What, what makes somebody unbelievable, what makes Michael Jordan great is that he's human and we connect to the human level with him, but he has pushed past failure. He, is, he has transcended failure. He has overcome failure because he doesn't give up 
And that's what it's about. Michael Jordan has failed just like we all have. But the thing that makes him, the thing that made him great and that we all love about him is we can see ourselves in him. And what set him apart was his work ethic. Um, so if you can, if you can not give up and have thick skin and, and, and learn from the failures and grow, the sky truly is the limit. We saw it, we saw it before. We saw it with Jordan, you know? So I use that as a, as motivation guys. So speaking of all that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I used to talk about this TV show called God Friended Me. I don't know if you guys remember it, but, um, God Friended Me was a show that I was watching for a bit and. I uh, I just kind of lost, uh, not interest, just uh, I put my time into other stuff. So I watched another episode tonight. I'm way behind. I think I'm on like the fourth or fifth episode. But I will say um, I do like this show a lot. And, and that the main character reminds me of myself. His name in the show is Miles Finner or Finer. The actor's name is Brandon Michael Hull. Of course, big surprise, middle name Michael. Um the guy who didn't believe in God, right? Um, very, very interesting stuff. I, I didn't believe in God for the longest time myself. So I see myself in that character a lot. And I, I feel, in all honesty, without getting too crazy and too weird on you guys, I do feel that God friended me. Not through Facebook um, and not as a, a, a particular person, but through, through the things that happen in my life. Um, I've had some, some, some interesting things happen to me over the years. I didn't believe in God for the longest time. I always wanted to. Um, I wanted to for a long time, you know, but I didn't. I couldn't lie to myself. Nobody can lie to themselves, right? You can't lie yourself or trick yourself. Um, go to church. You see, every, you see some people sometimes who seem so passionate about it, and, and maybe for those out there who... You know, everyone has different things. Maybe there's some people listening right now that want to believe in God that, that feel that they, they haven't. It is a gift. The belief is a gift. I truly do believe. Um, it, the, the belief itself is a blessing, right? And you can't fake it. So you don't need to try to fake it. Um, and you shouldn't fake it. Um, but I think that I encourage anyone who... I, I've, I've met people before that um, have said that they, they want to believe or that they, they, you know, they see some people that are, have these strong convictions and that they really want to and um wh the only thing i could say to someone like that is that's that's awesome that you want to so explore it dig deeper seize you know find a, you know dig deeper for the truth right i'm not going to sit here and complain or um not complain um claim to to i it's not my job to say i'm not, i wasn't born to be a preacher i don't feel but i was born to be a a um Uh, I, I, you know what? I was born to do what I love. I was born to 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 play football and to do comedy and to make people laugh. Um, I'm not doing it right now. I know I'm not being funny, but um, nevertheless, though, I encourage anyone to explore that 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 seed that may have been planted in your heart already. It took me a long time, and then some things happened in my life uh, out of my control, um, and I think that's when it happens is when. Something happens out of your control that you, you know, you, you just can't deny, right? Um, everyone's story is different, but um, I like the show. Um, Miles reminds me of myself in a lot of ways, and 
uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. It's been fun to watch that show. So, oh, anyway, um, I didn't talk about anything that I plan on talking about yet. But I, I've had 40 minutes of fun uh, talking to you guys about football and uh, Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. Uh, you know, um, Michael Jordan. Uh, it's been an inspirational podcast, very appropriate for the NFL games today. Um, what else is going on in the world? It's 14 degrees right now in New York City. It's very cold. There's a lot of a lot of snow and stuff that's been happening in the Midwest, so I hope you guys are staying warm. Uh, I went out tonight. I did comedy right in the middle of the freaking game. Luckily, it was halftime, so if I had to miss, I missed it at the perfect time where there was a little bit of a gap. I ran up and did a set and then quickly came home and watched the rest of the game. Uh, the the rest of the Chiefs game, which was, oh man, I feel sorry for my Chiefs fans in KC, man. That's a tough, tough loss. I feel sorry for the city of New Orleans, all their fans. Uh, man, they got, they got robbed. My girlfriend was tell, she's doing some research. She's a virtual assistant. She works. Uh, one of her employers is uh, a dude who used to play in the NFL, and I guess he lives down in New Orleans or he's doing real estate down there and. Um, apparently New Orleans is just in bad shape. She was telling me about it and the number of high school dropouts. It's just, it's really unfortunate. We're, you know, I, I like Drew Brees a lot, you know, or a, as some people call him, Breezes, you know. <laughs> I would have liked to see it go their direction. You know, I think the city of New Orleans could use a Super Bowl or, or at least, you know, they could, they could ben benefit from it a lot. Um, I'm not too happy with the Rams organization after what they did to STL. Uh, I hear that, um, I heard that in the contract, the Rams had to pay some kind of a, if they ever left St. Louis, they'd have to pay a bunch of money to for the Jones Dome to change its name. And I guess that's one of the reasons the Jones Dome is, is still there, Edward Jones. I don't know the, the details of it, but I thought that that was kind of funny, um, kind of a way of, you know, saying F you to them if they ever left in a way. I don't know the details, so I, I can't really give you guys a full. Uh, what else is going on in the world? Uh, the There was a United flight that was stuck in Canada because somebody had a medical emergency. Um, so there was a, I think it took out of, it, the, the flight took off of Newark, had to land in Canada, very cold, 20 degrees, and there was some malfunctions when it was trying to take off. By the way, I think it was going on its way to Hong Kong. And this is over the weekend. And it had to be stuck on the ground for like 14 hours. And nobody could get out of the plane. It was like in the middle of the night or something. So they started to run low on food and supplies. I mean, that sounds so miserable. I thought I was going to die on my flight to China. I can't imagine the flight being doubled in time and not being able to get out and like breathe fresh air and like stretch your legs. It just... Man, I feel for those people on that flight. That sucks, you know? So, whew, I bet they're happy to be done. I wouldn't even want to go to China after that trip, you know, after getting stuck in a flight like that. I don't know, that, that stuff. It supposedly was starting to get cold or something. I don't know. I don't know. It just sounds like a miserable thing, but I'm glad everyone's okay on that flight. Um, just count your blessings, you know? Uh, what else is going on? The, the government's still shut down, apparently. We're still kind of at a gridlock with this whole funding for the wall thing. I don't have anything funny to say. I'm just giving you guys an update in case you're wondering. 
I'm gonna try to steer clear of that though because I really don't have any comments other than the, the entire thing is just a it's, a. it's sad. It's sad for the people that are trying to work right now, that don't have the opportunity. You know, all these government jobs. It's just a. It's kind of a crappy situation, um, and it's it's cold. It's it's winter time. So that plus you know not being able to make make money when you when you need to make it is uh, that's a bad situation. So. Anyway, moving on. I don't really have a, a ton going on in the world, you know. I don't. I haven't even looked at the stock market this week. Um, a lot of my money I took out of the stock market not too long ago, and it's. I've invested in a savings account, um, so I feel thankful for that. I would. I'm not going to recommend that to anybody because I don't know if now is the time to pull out. I really don't know enough about. I can't really predict it. All I can say is, I'm not paying attention. I haven't watched the news. Uh, on the latest with the stock market, and I haven't watched uh, really much much else in the news. All I know is uh, kind of what's going on in my world of comedy, what's going on in the world of comedy, um, what's going on in the world of comedy. Uh, oh, here we go. So Keenan, Keenan from Saturday Night Live might be moving on it looks like that he's getting a couple offers for some tv shows so he might be looking for a potential exit maybe at the end of the season i don't know i saw something i saw an article about that i mean he's a great addition to the team maybe that means the spot would open up i uh nobody's knocking on my door from snl but i mean maybe that means i got maybe there there's an opportunity there for them to hire a new cast member but congratulations to keenan i uh you know he's a you know he's one of those dudes I think on the cast that can can you know play any part you know that they need. Uh, he's he's been a one of the one of the veterans there for a while now, um, and uh, I think he he's got a bright future ahead of him. He never really seems to be uh, in much controversy, which sometimes the controversy is what gets the most attention. You look at somebody like Pete Davidson, he's he's got a lot of fame just this year from dating Ariana. Grande, uh, and and that whole just that whole thing with him, the BDE, and he's he's kind of a loose cannon. So I don't know. Speaking of Pete Davidson, he's actually going to be at Caroline's on Tuesday, so I might go check out his comedy set. Keenan, I think, was either at Caroline's recently or he's going to be there soon. I'd like to meet him. He seems like a nice guy, you know. I, I'm sure I'm sure Pete Davidson is too. Um, but this I didn't see last night's episode yet. I was actually Googling old Will, Will Ferrell Saturday Night Live sketches uh, during Saturday Night Live, kind of weird timing, but uh, Will Ferrell is probably my favorite cast member of all time. Just that dude's vibe, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody has, I've Will Ferrell is genuinely, genuinely just flat out funny. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't even have to say anything and it's already funny. Uh, but apparently the marvelous Mrs. Maisel hosted last night. Forgive me, I, I actually don't know her name off the top of my head, but I heard that there was a funny sketch uh, with her and um, Leslie Jones. So I'll have to check that out. Uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I haven't caught up on any episodes recently, but uh, they have an entirely new season. I'm still on episode like four of the first season. We'll see. I'll try to get around to that. Maybe I'll watch it after this recording tonight. Um... You know, what's funny is uh, I read this article. I guess this is a change of subject, right? But I read this article the other night, 10 Things You May Not Know About Laughter. 
written by a professor, um, and it was a it was a BBC article, right? One thing that I thought was interesting it said rats are ticklish, which I thought was hilarious. I've never seen a subway rat laughing before, but uh, I've always thought to myself, you know, I, I'm a I'm an animal lover. I'd like to adopt, you know, a rat from the subway sometime and uh, maybe give it a little tickle. You know what I mean? Just tickle that little armpit right there and just uh, try not to get bitten. But uh, I think it's very cute that rats are ticklish. I wonder if mice are ticklish too. Uh, another thing, relationships apparently last longer when you laugh. So that's probably a good thing. My, my relationship with my girlfriend is extremely volatile from many perspectives, probably hilarious. I, I, I think that if there was a camera following us around, it would be the most watched reality TV show because we're so, we're both, you think I'm a loose cannon, she's a loose cannon. I don't know which one of us is more ridiculous. I think we're like two peas in a pod, which is like a UCB way of describing sketches. You know, like there's either like a, a straight man and then like a, a, a wacky character uh, or something like, or or two wacky characters, which is two peas in a pod, and I feel like we're the two wacky characters scene sketch. Um, tell you a little bit more about the latest on us in a little bit, the latest of me and my chick. But apparently, laughter is contagious. We all know that, especially as comedians. You know, that's why you know in comedy shows, some crowds won't like. Sometimes the crowd won't laugh as loud as the joke is good, if that makes sense. And it's because, for whatever reason, people feel less comfortable laughing loudly at something if the rest of the crowd is not really into it. So what you'll, you'll get this like group think or psychology in uh, from doing shows. It's very interesting. Um, and then sometimes, like I'll get off stage on a show where I'm like, man, that that crowd wasn't as good, but people will come up to me and they'll say, man, that was a rough crowd, but I thought you were so hilarious. And, you know, like, it'll come out that they, they just didn't feel comfortable, like, laughing as loud as they wanted to. It's like, you don't have to stifle the laughs, you know? Like, if you want to laugh, let that shit out. Probably other people will be relieved if you do. They might be thinking the same thing. So laughter is a is contagious, and it, it contracts and expands based on a, a universal mindset of the room or, or the, your surroundings at the time. Um, it's part of why the MCs warm up the crowd in the beginning, right? You, get everybody on the same page and you know engage with people sometimes if you en engage in conversation with somebody while you're on stage then they'll want to laugh at your joke after that right because they're like now they're tuned in you know they, they want to reward you for being cool by laughing at your joke it's some weird stuff guys you know it's truly a some jedi mind shit you know uh when i uh, when i when i'm on stage doing comedy i'm doing jedi mind tricks but uh Laughter is attractive, apparently, according to this article. We all know that, right? I, I met a, a woman, I think I've told you guys before, I talk about it in my stand-up. I met this 82-year-old woman once. I remember because I looked at her idea. I was working at Bose doing sales. She was funny. She had a great sense of humor. I, I honestly found myself, each time she made me laugh, I found myself a little bit more attracted to her. I was like, how am I? I've never felt attracted to a, a woman that age before, but her sense of humor was sharp. It was sexy, you know? Uh, and apparently it's uh, attractiveness with laughter. It's not just from the person who's being funny, but it's also from the person who's laughing. So if you aren't funny, you can also be attractive by laughing at jokes. Trust me, if you laugh at my jokes, I'll, I'll really like you a lot, you know.
that's kind of why, you know, like when bosses uh, tell jokes, even if they're not funny, you'll see some of the employees laughing. It's because secretly, I guess they know that, like, it's going to somehow, like, make the boss like them more, right? So, so you become more attractive to your boss when you laugh at their jokes, apparently. Um, I, I try to, I think it's good to try to be who you are and not sell out, but, you know, I don't know. Everyone's different. Some people, if you want a trick and you don't think that's selling out, then laugh at your boss's jokes harder if you need a promotion. Um, yeah, so speaking of Bose, Bose is from Framingham, Massachusetts, which is not too far from uh, Foxborough, so... Patriots have done it again. You know, I talked about it earlier. It's unbelievable. I don't know how Tom Brady and those guys pull it off year after year, but I was really hoping for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahones, and just I had some friends at the game tonight in Arrowhead. You know, stuck it out in the cold. It's it's tough to see that that L there, but you know what? It's not always about. Um, I don't know. You just got to brush it off. You know, you just got to brush it off and move on. Anyway. We got a little bit going on in my world of comedy. Um, like I said before, some people just have a funny vibe. I was talking about my girlfriend. This week she got me this really funny apparatus. Like she came home and she's like, I got you a gift. And it's this thing that I've never seen before. It was so practical though. It's like this thing that goes around your neck and it like protrudes out and you stick your phone on it and you can like see, you can like watch TV on your phone hands free. And it's the phone's like right in front of your face. So like if you're like laying down, chilling, or whatever, and you don't want to like keep holding your phone, you can put it in this neck apparatus thing. It's so silly looking and funny. Part of it is funny because it's also practical though. And as soon as she got, me, I was on my way to do comedy, and she, you know, when I saw her, she surprised me with this gift. I immediately took it out of the box, put it on, and got on the subway. And people were laughing on the subway. Right, people were like intrigued and curious. Nobody ever wants to talk on the subway or like will stare at you. But I'm telling you, you put that apparatus on, and you will change the group think of New York City. We talk about psychology, and like group group think or group like social norms in New York. People don't make eye contact. They do not want to look at you. They won't acknowledge anything. You put on that neck apparatus that my chick bought for me. People will look at you, smile, laugh, and be curious and want to start asking questions. Uh, I had one dude, you know, like, I had one dude, um, there was, I, he was, I feel like this dude was gay, but he, he, I don't, he wasn't hitting on me. He was asking me about the neck apparatus on the subway. He was more intrigued by the neck apparatus than he was by me, if that makes sense. That's how intriguing this neck apparatus was, out, this was. I was on my way to do comedy at Triple Crown uh, with my boy Steve Ling, who runs the show there. And man, I'll be damned. I get on stage and I had the neck apparatus on. People were like laughing before I even told, before I said anything into the microphone. And the entire set, people were like laughing. Like I wasn't even doing jokes. I usually, I'm not like a prop comedian, but I had to get up there with this thing on. And people were just, they were literally like, like in stitches, as they say, right? Uh, based on this neck apparatus. So now I'll, I wear the neck apparatus sometimes around the house and my girlfriend will laugh. And then I see her wearing it and I start laughing. So my chick is funny, dude. Like, I'm not even going to lie. 
That's one of the things I like most about her. I think she's hilarious, and she doesn't try to be. She never tries to be funny. She has no interest in doing stand-up. I think she's funnier than the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because it's, like, a different type of funny. It's, like, that Will Ferrell, like, vibe funny. Like, her her uniqueness just kills me. It, it's so funny. And, and I think that I'm unique, too. I don't think we're unique in all of the same ways, but we're, like, all... Our flaws are the same. Like, my weaknesses are similar as hers, so we, like, can't, like, help each other in the ways that you would think, like, a relationship, like, benefits. Like, you know, usually one person's strength, like, complements another person's weakness. Well, both... A lot of our weaknesses are the same, so, like, neither... There's no one there to, like, pick us up from, like... <laughs> Like being messy or like I don't know, it's it's very it's intriguing. I'm intrigued and I'm on the inside. I'm not even an outsider. Anyway, I'll have to get her back on the show soon enough. She doesn't even care if I talk trash about her or say silly stuff. Uh, I'll talk some more about some some newer material I've been generating about her. Uh, but um, in the meantime, moving on. Um, let's see here. Yeah, yeah, my my girlfriend. Uh, going back to this, bear with me, but I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but in the last couple of weeks, she's come home. By the way, I don't even know if we're in a relationship right now. She breaks up with me. She broke up with me like a week ago, but she told me that I can't have sex with other girls during this break, right, in quotes. She says, we're on a break. You need to you need to really be a little bit... She, she got mad because she was... I was going, I went to bed and it, I was sleeping and at two o'clock in the morning I wake up and she's printing off like 200 pages of something, right? I'm like, I, I got up and I started yelling at her. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, go to bed. Why are you printing stuff that's disrespectful? I was very mean. Anyway, it really hurt her feelings how I like just like attacked her verbally like that. So she broke up with me uh, the next day while Caleb was still in town, by the way, right? So she breaks up with me, doesn't say sorry for printing stuff in the middle of the night, and then um, she tells me, by the way, even though we're broken up, like, this is a break, and you can, the the rule is you can't hook up with other girls. So I'm like, what what the hell, like, you, you can't have your cake and eat it, you can't break up with me and tell me that I can't hook up with other girls. I haven't hooked up with any other girls, but I don't know if we're in a relationship right now or, or exactly what, but... Uh, she still seems to to luff me, as she says, L U F F. Uh, she, she, what I was originally going to say, what I was originally going to say a minute ago is that a few weeks ago, she came home and she was she had a lot of energy. I guess she drank some coffee that day. She was acting like my dog Joey when Joey was still alive, and she would like get a like a big fit of energy all of a sudden. Joey would like run around in circles back and forth in the house, and it was almost scary. Cause she would like charge me and if I didn't move out of the way she would literally like headbutt me in the shins and like run through me or run past me and then turn around and do the same I was like Joey you're scaring me you know my girlfriend was doing the same thing she was running back and forth in the apartment and then she would like jump into me like I was like my back I'm not warmed up or anything she's like jumping and like if I didn't catch her she would just jump into my arms without me like being there ready to catch her and if I didn't she would, like, lift her legs up so that if I didn't catch her, she would have, like, broken her coccyx and landed on the floor. Like, I'm like, why are you trusting that I'm going to do this? This is putting a lot of pressure on me. Stop jumping up 
into my arms, hoping that I'll catch you, you know? Yo, it was, I was, and I was laughing because it was so absurd and so ridiculous. I started crying, laughing, because it was so ridiculous. And the laughter made me weaker. Like, I couldn't hold her. Like, it made it harder to catch her because, like, every time I was laughing so hard, I was, like, hurling over. And, like, it, was, it made my muscles weak, and it was harder to catch her. And yet I had to, otherwise I would have dropped her. And she was zoned out, yo. I mean, this chick is crazy. But I don't mean that in a mean way, Jessica, if you're listening. I mean it out of uh, luff, L-U-F-F. Um, luff is in between l- like and love. And we're still, we still feel like it's too soon to just throw the I love you around. So we, we say I love you. Uh, even though we're not together technically. Uh, but I can't hook up with any other chicks in case there's any girls out there. Uh, that we're wondering. Uh, uh, I'm at a stage where uh, I realize that I'm not allowed to hook up with other chicks, so sorry about that. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, I did comedy tonight, like I said. I did a lot of jokes about football, made fun of myself, talked about Rudy, talked about how when I watch Rudy, I cry, you know? Uh, when I watch The City of Angels, I cry, and when I watch the, the movie Rudy, I cry. And both of those main characters are pretty much me. You know what I mean? Uh, that's probably why I cry. All right. Uh, you guys got to check out this um, this new group that me and my friends formed. It's called the Midwest Sketch Bandits. We've made three videos now that are out there in the public. You should follow us, the Midwest Sketch Bandits or Midwest Sketch Bandits. There's a Facebook group now. It's a picture of a little puppy. It was... As you know the story, um, our little uh, puppy, uh, Gatsby, and he's got a little red chili pepper, you know, hot. uh, I I don't even know what it says, but that's the picture temporarily until we can get a group pic. Uh, I've created a Facebook group, a Twitter account, a YouTube channel, and a Instagram account. So if you guys wouldn't mind just following us on all four of those and following the droid while you're at it, I'd greatly appreciate it. Do yourself that favor. If you don't follow both of those accounts on every form of social media, then you're missing out because I'm always putting out content uh, that my girlfriend hates. So if you want to see if my girlfriend has good taste, then look me up and tell me whether or not you agree that my content sucks. Because if you think it sucks, then you're just like my girlfriend. And that means that we're technically very close if that's the case. Um, so, uh, Midwest Sketch Bandits, we've been having a lot of fun. You know, Ben Mead has been doing a terrific job with the filming, with the editing. He's got like the top of the line camera. He's got a Black Magic camera that we've been using. Uh, so we're very thankful for him and his efforts um, to help us make that magic happen. It's been great working with Dom Leonelli. We've been bringing other people into the scene. We're, I uh, got some more sketches in the works. We have two more that have already been filmed that are in post-production. We're going to get together again this week and film some more. Um, pulling in some other uh, people on the scene that are going to join us. So we're excited to continue to develop those channels. Also follow LOL Droid, LOL space Droid, D-R-O-Y-D, stories on YouTube. Uh, I am, uh, I got my own YouTube channel there and I'm working on getting a a cool idea where I'm going to 
like make a video, 12, 10 to 15 minute video on the story of my life, but it, like, like quick clips and like different parts of New York where I'm talking and like sharing like some of the, the cool things that I've done without bragging, but like kind of giving you guys a, a lens into my life and how I've become who I am, how I've overcome, you know, my fear of women, how I've, you know, the things, the successful things that I did in both uh, track and field and football, you know, being able to be on a division one level of athletics there, helping a, a company um, from the ground floor as the first operational employee to becoming a multi-million dollar company that basically sold for over a hundred million um, and, and having done comedy for, for over a decade all over the world, you know, so those are some, some cool points that I want to bring out talking about a little bit maybe about my mom who's from the Philippines stuff like that I think it'll be cool to, to share that all kind of in a condensed YouTube video where it's not comedy but it's you know it's kind of like that 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 lens so follow me on on those uh channels and um you know more to come there um I'm excited about next month I'm going to NACA the day after um February 14th as I told you guys before, I was conceived on Valentine's Day. Um, and uh, the next day I'll be going to NACA, the Nationals in Columbus, Ohio, with uh, some comedy friends, Chris James, Jacob Williams, uh, and uh, some other guys. Uh, it's going to be a fun road trip, guys trip, uh, comedian trip, and we'll uh, work, on, uh, work on the business side there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I've got a 301 sketch comedy show from UCB coming up. I'm obviously, uh, we're wrapping up that. It's been a, been a good class. It's been a challenging class. Uh, I'm also in uh, advanced study for improv there right now. So really just honing and boning, you know what I'm saying? Um, I did skip my improv class today so I could watch football and I regret nothing. Um, I got to witness history, you know what I mean? I mean, how about that uh, two overtimes in one day on both the AFC and NFC championship games? That's crazy. Uh, so definitely, definitely a cool day for football. Uh, what else uh, What else is going on in the world of comedy? My friend uh, Theo Vaughn was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast, so you guys should check him out. I've known him for a long time, and uh, it's cool to see him making moves and you know, getting on that level there. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan podcast is obviously one of the big, biggest podcasts in the world, uh, second to Michael Oldroyd comedy podcast. Now, in all honesty, I, I've heard, you know, it's a, it's a great podcast. So what else? Um, I had a tw Here's a tweet that I had on Twitter that got a couple likes. I guess it's worth repeating. Uh, the tweet says, I said, or what did I say? I said, the tweet said, it's interesting how people that never interact with me, help me, like anything I post, or keep in touch in any way will send me invitations to like their Facebook pages. For some reason, that post got a lot of attention and, and likes both on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I guess people could relate to it, right? Um, my buddy Austin Huff, who has a very funny Twitter account, you guys should check him out. He's always posting silly stuff. I can't retweet him too many times or it's going to make it look like I'm not funny and I can't come up with his content myself, but I feel like I'd retweet his stuff all day if that was, if it were up to me. I guess it is up to me if you think about it, but, um, 
anyway, he, he commented on that post and said, hey, Mike, uh, I've got this really, uh, this thing that I'm trying to sell. You'd sell under me. Uh, you seem like the perfect fit. I haven't called you in years since middle school, but I think you'd be uh, the perfect fit. I swear it's not a pyramid scheme. That got a bunch of attention, so that was pretty funny. Uh, Austin Huff, very funny guy. I need you to have. I need to have you back on the podcast soon. You need to have me on your freaking podcast soon, bro. Uh, but that's pretty much that. And then finally, the final last couple minutes of this podcast i just wanted to talk about the latest going on in my world right so as you guys know i'm i don't think i need to sit here and go through all the x's and the o's i'm doing comedy almost every day uh i'm writing a lot i'm doing outreach to agents trying to get an agent you know making these sketch comedy videos developing the youtube channels social media um so i'm doing the acting stuff you know submitting to backstage trying to get some extra work uh, developing the LOL droid business. The state of New York is helping me with it. You know, I'm in the self-employment assistance program with the state of New York, so they're helping me, which is really cool. Um, I'm doing the improv, the sketch writing, reaching out to the funnier die type sites out there, you know. Um, just uh, really hustling on all fronts, doing everything I can. So I think that kind of wraps up most of the comedy stuff. So I want to talk about my chick for a second, my girlfriend. The latest is uh, that we went shopping yesterday at TJ Maxx, right? We woke up. I was going to work on my resume because she keeps complaining to me about how I need to get a job, right? So she's like, I'll help you with her, your resume, and then we'll fight because I'll be like, all right, help me with my resume. She's like, no, I'm busy now. So I'll get mad at her because I'm like, yo, I thought you were going to help me with my resume. And she's like, you can't rely on me. So we'll fight back and forth because I'm like, well, why did you tell me you were going to help me? You want me to get a job. Now you're not going to help me. I mean, it's like this never-ending battle going back and forth. So anyway, I was going to wake up and do my resume. But instead, she's like, hey, can you go with me to TJ Maxx? They're having a sale. There's a TJ Maxx literally like on the corner of where we live, which is surprising that they would have one like on Wall Street. Uh... But they do, and it's even more surprising that a guy that lives on Wall Street goes with his girlfriend to get like take advantage of deals uh, when they're having a big sale. But I went in there trying to be nice, you know, and literally we went there. We went in there early afternoon, and we left when it was dark outside. We were in there for several hours. Once I started going through stuff, I couldn't stop. I ended up spending hundreds of dollars on stuff. I didn't need anything going in there, but now I have a bunch of new shirts and pants. I couldn't stop. I could not stop, and I'm looking at, in my closet right now and seeing I need to hang up some of this stuff. I should probably return a bunch of it, really, but I signed up for their credit card and all kinds of crazy stuff and put all of Jessica's stuff on my tab uh, so, you know, to help save money, and she said she'd pay me back, and it... I'll probably never get paid back for it. I probably just spent $500 uh, for no reason, which is really smart. You know what I mean? So I'm probably going to have to get a job now. Um, but it it was fun. I was exhausted, and that's pretty much all I did yesterday. Yeah, I had big plans to be productive and work on my, my resumes, I should say. Not just my work resume for sales, but also my acting resume and my comedy resume. None of that got done. Um, so great, great job, Mike. That's really good. Um, what else? 
so the last thing I'll say is that uh, my girlfriend reminds me of Sarah Jessica Parker, but not the Sarah Jessica Parker from Sex in the City. I'm talking about the Sarah Jessica Parker from Hocus Pocus. Uh, she is very interesting um, in many ways. One time she was giving me head. Sorry for those who find this a little too grotesque or too inappropriate, but one time she was giving me head and she, I look over and she has this little like bottle of some liquid and there's like a syringe or like a turkey baster looking thing and she like sucks up some liquid and then like like drops these droplets of stuff on my penis and my balls. I don't know exactly what it was. I told my friends this story and they're like, what was it? And I was like, I, I don't know. And they're like, what is your girlfriend, a witch? I tell her she looks like Sarah Jessica Parker from Hocus Pocus all the time. She's very, she's like the pretty witch, you know? Uh, and she, uh, she's self-conscious because her, she, her feet, she's self-conscious about her feet. And one of the things about her feet is that she has dry skin. And uh, I bought her this apparatus that like spins and it's like a sander. So I like sand her feet for her. Um, so she likes that when I sand her feet. Um, but yeah, she, she, she put that serum or whatever on my penis. And then uh, uh, next time she gave me a head or, or not long after that, she, I guess she was, she didn't have that anymore, but she had a different bottle of serum. I don't know what it was, but this time there was a burning sensation. And I was like, hey, what did you, what did you put on there? That, something doesn't seem right. She's like, oh, it's fine. It's like tea tree extract or something. Anyway, my balls felt like somebody poured icy hot on them. And I just kind of like dealt with it and went to, I was like, that kind of hurts. I don't know, something feels weird. Anyway, the next day my balls peeled. So that was interesting. I had a bunch of uh, skin. My, my balls molted, if you will, like a, like a snake skin or something. It was really interesting. But now, now they're all shiny, uh, you know, because, uh, because she, I guess I have her to thank for, for giving my balls a nice peel. I don't know. Anyway, um, she's sleeping now. I better go get in bed with her because it's uh, 2 o'clock in the morning and Happy Martin Luther King Day. It's a special day. Uh, don't forget about what it's about. Uh, you know, you know. I um, I don't think uh, Martin Luther King Martin Luther King's dream has been fully realized until. Uh, well, I, I can't speak for that, but what I, I what I can say is the the, the dream has not. There, we need to still make more progress, and progress is needed racially until. Racism is eliminated, um, and uh, some people might think that that's uh, too too high of a uh, request. But just like Michael Jordan said, limits are often just illusions. So I, I don't think that there needs to be a limit. I think that that it is possible, and it's something that I certainly will fight for in my lifetime to eliminate prejudice across the board, to eliminate racism. Um, I think that. Uh, that's the direction we need to go. So, happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Michael Oldroyd Podcast. Get ready for the Super Bowl 53. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, don't forget to reach out. 
Don't forget to follow me on uh, all the social media apps at the Droid T H E D R O Y D. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, if you're coming to New York, hit me up. I'd love to have you come to a show. And uh, if you ever want to be a call-in guest for my podcast, reach out to me on any of the social media. Send me a DM, and I'll keep you in the back of my mind. We'll see if we can make something happen, all right? Caleb Medley is one of my most regular uh, um, guests because he is awesome. He's a loyal friend, a loyal listener, supporter. Uh, That's what happens. You know what I mean? Shout out to Caleb Medley, man. Hashtag 48. And uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great week. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny?